Heavenly Father, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray for you for the insight and um, be in tune with you, be in tune with heaven, that I may preach this message to motivate the saints to stay fired up. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So today's sermon is uh, a warning and an encouragement. Today's sermon is a warning and an encouragement. We have to be on guard against complacency. Complacency is sneaky. Complacency is one of the weapons of the enemy to get Christians too comfortable. We have to understand that God wants us to practice contentment in him, but not contentment in ourselves. We have to stay poor in spirit. We have to stay hungry for the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 32 says in the New Living Translation, For simpletons turn away from me to death, and fools are destroyed by their own complacency. So, brothers and sisters, I'm here as your friend, as your pastor, to warn you against complacency. Spiritually, financially, in your career, in your relationships, in your parenting, in your marriage. You know, I read a book once, um, my favorite, one of my favorite authors, his name is Tim Ferriss, and he was really big into lifestyle design, right? Not just goals but lifestyle design. And he said one time, instead of asking, what do I want to do for a living? He said, he asked, what if you ask, what kind of lifestyle do I want to have? And what kind of work will help me get it? And then work backwards from there, right? And so I want to take that, that economic lifestyle design for spiritual, right? What kind of spiritual lifestyle do you want to live? Do you want to operate with power? Of course, everybody does, right? With grace, season as a seasoned saint, with maturity, with more faith, more hope, more love? Do you want to, um, in that gap between reaction and response, do you want to have a Christ-centered uh, um, re reaction to things? You know, and so it's important that we battle complacency and understand the vision we have to, to live a, a Christ-centered, Holy Ghost-empowered lifestyle. Robert Greene, right? I like Robert Greene. He wrote this book, 48 Laws of Power. He wrote a book with, book with 50 Cents called The 50th Law. He wrote a book called The Law of Human Nature. He's a great writer. And he says, the greatest battle of all is with, with yourself, your weaknesses, your emotions, your lack of resolution in seeing things through the end. You must declare unceasing war on yourself. So let me give you some text scriptures. First one I want to give you is in the book of Amos, right? Brothers and sisters, many of us have not read the book of Amos. <laughs> and may the Lord challenge us to read Amos and Philemon this year, right? And so he says in verse 1 in the NIV, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria. 
you notable men of foremost nations to whom the people of Israel come, right? So he said, woe to you who are complacent in Zion. In the King James Version, this is a good version, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Brothers and sisters, we got to stay hungry for God. Remember you prayed for that job. Father God, Father God, I pray you give me that job. Father God, Father God, Father God. And then now you're like, oh, I can't go to midweek. That job made me tired. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we have to keep the flame because we got to pass this flame to the next generation. Amen? It's another one. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 6. So this is a powerful one, right? Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. I didn't say that. The New Living Translation said that. You lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. With an exclamation point. Boop. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. Can we pause for the cause for a second? You know, many of us, sometimes we reach a certain pace of maturity and say, why do I need a supervisor? Why are they paying this person more than me to watch me? <laughs> Nobody needs to watch me. All right. That's why, like you said, you don't need no prince. They, don't have, they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. Do you need somebody on your back to pray? That's not spiritual maturity. Uh, verse 8. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep? A little more slumber? A little folding of the hands to rest? And then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Brothers and sisters, we have to stay vigilant for this vision. All right, this is a heavy-duty one. All right. Revelations. Right. Revelations chapter 3. Now, remember, Revelations is a prophetic uh, apocalyptic book, but it also has some epistle angles, right, letters. Revelations chapter 3, verse 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. Right. And that's heavy. Right? So some, some theologians feel like the angel is like the the bishop, right? And that, that angel denotes a messenger. And some theologians say no, that there are territorial angels over certain territories. And that you can look at Daniel chapter 10 when Michael had to help an angel that was fighting uh, uh, like a demonic prince of Persia when they were trying to reach a prophetic word to Daniel. That's a whole other sermon. I got the slowest fire truck in Brooklyn passing me. Okay. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out my mouth. Verse 17, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Oh, it's not just opening the door and let them in, but you have to fellowship with the Lord. 
To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Right? We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Verse 22. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is so good. All right, so from Blue Letter Bible, it says this. The church of Laodicea. Laodicea was a noted commercial center. Some of its goods were exported all over the world. It is frequently noted that Laodicea prided itself on three things. Financial wealth, uh, extensive textile industry, and popular eye salve. That which was uh, exported around the world. So that's why Jesus said, put eyes off so you can see, right? He knows who, he knew his audience. Um, one of the problems was poor water supply that made it easier verbal to exceed. If any surrender the city, it's official water supply. And please come into the city, reason off. Therefore, the leaders were always accommodating the enemy and always wanted to negotiate and compromise instead of fighting. The main water supply came on a six-mile aqueduct from the hot springs of Herapolis. Because the water came from hot springs, it arrived unappetizingly lukewarm. So this gives us so much context for this scripture, right? I never knew this context before. And so we see here that this, this was a rich town. And they, 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 they forgot how to be poor in spirit, right? To fight complacency, we have to learn to stay humble before the Lord, stay poor in spirit. Um, also, when they hosted people, the rich people had ways of serving chilled wine or chilled water. If, if, if you were esteemed guest, they found a way of giving you cool to chilled water. If you weren't an esteemed guest, they gave you water from like their supply, which came from a hot spring, so it was like warm and it tasted terrible. Me and Anna lived in LA once. Soon as we arrived, we noticed there was water stores everywhere. And we're like, we've never seen whole stores for water, right? This was 2000. And then, and then they'll say, you, everybody can say, you'll see why. And uh, we drank that water from the faucet. Oh, it was nasty, right? Because they said that the water came from Lake Shasta or some reservoir in Northern California. And it was really far. And so in Laodicea, Jesus is saying, let's go back. Ah. Jesus is he's saying, talk about salve to put on your eyes. They knew that. They made money off that salve, right? Um, he said, you're not spiritually rich. Because they, they had money. And then they were lukewarm for two... And, and this, 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 this rebuke is, talks about not just spiritual passion, but also talks uh, in a way that they understood because of their water supply, right? And um, so we have to be careful, brothers and sisters, that we don't completely rely on the world for validation. Because we're we are afraid of the world cutting off our supply. We have to learn to continue to daily seek the Lord for our daily bread. Amen? All right. We want to stay hot for God. And um, it's hard to preach on such a text without giving you more context. I can send you this image. I can put it on the Facebook. Uh, in Revelation, every church, seven churches... Jesus had a message for each angel of the seven churches, whether it was the bishop or uh, like a, a celestial angel or maybe both, right? And so in Ephesus, it was talking about rekindling first love in Smyrna, talked about um, staying faithful 
And so I have this image of all the messages to the churches. All right, another thing about, you know, some more text scriptures to give us context about uh, keeping the flame burning and fighting complacency. Luke chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus says, Be dressed for service and keep your lamp burning. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. This is one of the ways that we lose spiritual fire. fire. Get back to the wrong people. Right? You'll be kidding before you actually says, do all the advice of the kids. Stand. So we're going, we're running this race. And next thing you know, people are walking with the wicked. And then they're standing with the sinner. And then they seated or joined in with the mockers. But they that delight in the law of the Lord meditate on day and night. All right. Brothers and sisters, we are keepers of the flame. We must be prepared to keep this flame burning and share with the next generation. We must keep ourselves focused and faithful on growing, glowing, flowing, and showing the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it 103 with you. I, we have to acknowledge the spiritual temperature. The air is thin. It's like running a race in uh, Peru, in Lima, Peru. Right, the air is thin, uh, and it's hard to run a long distance. The enemy has flooded our ear gates and our eye gates with fear, fatigue, and fatalism. Right, fear, fear that, uh, that the world's ending and we have no control. F uh, fatigue. Sometimes when fatigue walks in, faith walks out, and it seems like people don't have the energy or the bandwidth to put their hands to the plow. And fatalism, right? When we're excessively worried about certain things. And so the enemy has flooded our gates with these three Fs. Fear, fatigue, and fatalism. But we have to learn. We know intuitively. We know intuitively. We've been serving the Lord a long, long time, many of us. Right? And we know intuitively that we need to shift the atmosphere with worship, right? We have to learn to raise our praise, to worship the Lord. We know that the word, right? We need to get in the word. We need to start understanding the big picture of the gospel, the big picture of God's eternal purposes, right? And so we cannot walk surprised. We have to be like the tribe of Issachar that was described as men and women that understood the times. We know this power in unity, we know this power in joyful obedience. We know, uh, our, we have, we know that this power in understanding our collective and personal identity and hope. We have to keep this flame burning and fight complacency and lukewarmness. So some of the ways we do it is having a daily, weekly, and monthly practice. Leviticus chapter six, verse twelve through thirteen. It says, and the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offerings in, in order upon it. And he shall burn, therefore, the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Keep the fire burning. What do we do? Daily. Prayer. Pray daily. Read your devotion. Meditate, reflect, contemplate on the fruit of the Spirit. 
Put on the full armor of God. Brothers and sisters, this is secret sauce right here, right? When I put on the spiritual vitamins, you have to understand this is the school of the spirit. If you do daily devotion, most people never read a book again after college. Never read a book again. Most people, you know, you think you learn by experience. But we, we, we now know you learn by reflected experience. That's why so many people re repeat the same mistake because they're living on autopilot. So daily prayer, daily um, prayer, daily devotion, right? Daily contemplate the fruit of the Spirit. Put these words in your heart. Let these words guide your conduct and your behavior and your conversations. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Put on the form of God. And have a servant's heart. This is daily stuff to keep that fire. Weekly stuff. Show up to church. You can't glow up and grow up unless you show up. You can't evolve unless you get involved, right? We have to show up to church. Uh, whether it's in person or virtual. Sunday, Wednesday. Purpose Driven Life on 5 o'clock Wednesdays. Check in 7.30. We have to show up. We have to be willing to sacrifice financially. We have to spend some time weekly practicing Sabbath rituals of reflection, contemplation, reviewing our goals, reviewing, reviewing our mission, reviewing our resolutions, even sometimes reviewing our creeds. And then lately I've been looking, reviewing my personal eulogy and how I want to be remembered. Another weekly thing is witnessing. Have I witnessed? Have I shared my faith? Have I been a good testimony? Monthly. Right, we're talking about keeping the flame. Fasting, reading a whole book of the Bible, right? Whether it's Philemon, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. These are short reads. Colossians, Ephesians, 1 John. You can read 1 John on the train on the way to work. Easy peasy. 2 John, you can read after lunch. 3 John, you can read on the train going home. You can read 1, 2, and 3 John in one day. So monthly, make sure you're reading, make sure you're watching a Bible movie or listening to, to theology podcasts. Make sure you're witnessing your fellowshipping. Biannual, right? Annual, biannual, quarterly, pilgrimage, right? Are you willing to, to take a trip to a retreat, um, to, to a concert? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to embrace training for reigning? All right. So we need to desire the, to acquire the fire, right? Um, Jesus reached out to some people and he told them, what do you want? Because sometimes people don't really want to break through. They just don't want to break down. So in Mark chapter 10, verse 50 to 52, it says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Now this is a blind man begging. But Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Because the man could have said, give me more money. Give me a, a bigger basket to ask people for help. Protect me that nobody robs me. Jesus asked, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. John chapter 1 verse 37. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around, saw them following and says, what do you want? He asked them, and they replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? John chapter 5. One of the men 
uh, verse 5 through 9. One of the men lying there had been sick 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? See, not everybody's sick want to get well. I can't, sir, the sick man says, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And this is the victim mindset. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk, right? Stand up, the mat was like part of it, the bed, and walk. Instead of the he wrote up people and began the game, but they were going on the Sabbath, and this drama. I'll let you know your proof, home drama. Acts chapter 3, I'm trying to read this one, but this, the, 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 the disciples, um, look, look at verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And the, the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Peter says, I don't have silver over us, my testimony. Give me a half. Able Jesus Christ has with the lame man by the right hand. See, you can give somebody the command to be healed, but you still have to give them a hand, right? Took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he as he did, the man's feet, ankles were instantly straightened and healed. Right, so Jesus asked you, with the disciples saying, um, get me, and they still want to enough. How we keep telling me? We have to want to break. After to another level of faith, hope, and love, we want to desire spiritual maturity and spiritual passion and spiritual fire, but a new fire, not a fire that we had when we were first served that burned up our relationships with our cousins, that burned our relationships with our co-workers, that caused us to fight with others in church because we wanted a solo in the choir. Hey, <laughs> but a good fire. The fan, the flame. Second Timothy verse one, five through seven. Because I remember you in faith. If you share the faith, first told your grandmother Lois. And your mother Eunice, and now the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you, fan, into the fan you remind your fan into place the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, timidity, and timidity, but of love, power, love, and self-discipline. Right? And so he said, fan the flame, fan the gift. All right, I'm done. What time is it? Oh, good timing. This is the challenge. We got to slap box complacency. We got we to gotta be keepers of the fame, flame. We must stand guard against complacency in our walk with God, our family, our health, and our finances. Complacency ruins marriages. Complacency, you know, um, in my job, I deal with a lot of families that they just miss certain deadlines. They got complacent. They miss certain deadlines to apply for certain programs, and it'll cost them something. Without effort, life tends to lose order. I'm going to say that again. Without effort, life tends to lose order. One of the most famous opening lines of literature came from Anna Karenia by Leo Tolstoy. He writes, happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Right? Unhappiness creeps up on so many of us. We must simplify and systemize our spiritual life, our natural life. Optimal lives are designed, not discovered. Optimal lives are designed, not discovered. We, Steven Pinker, uh, who's like a neuro, uh, neurochemistry genius, he wrote this book called, what's that, what's that, what's that economist book, Ethan? Think like an economist. Well, he wrote a great book. Uh, I'll tell you in a minute. Steven Pinker. Uh, we must exert effort to create useful types of order that are resilient enough to withstand 
the unrelenting pull of entropy. That's a lot, right? You're like, why are you using big words? Entropy is the natural um, law of causing disorder, right? Uh, you know how it is, like, we can gain two pounds without trying, and then to lose two pounds, it takes a lot of effort on the elliptical. So he said, we must exert effort to create a useful type of order that are resilient enough to withstand the unrelenting pull of entropy. So brothers and sisters, it's my goal as your pastor to pastor tribe of people for the rest of the earth to live as holy, healthy, happy, and helpful. That we will initiate Jesus' church, that we will commit faithfulness, and that we will fight and complacency so we can continue to grow. Can, we, can I pray for you guys? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. And I pray you help us to battle place breath our truth and our relationships and our career. Father, maybe you need to give a warning to someone who's about to get in trouble at work because they allow the pussy to settle in. I pray our second fresh fire. Father, I pray our complacency and averages and our parenting against our goals. Father, there's someone who's writing a book right now and it's halfway done and they allow complacency to stop. I pray, God, you release new energy, increase energy so they can have Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When we die, the generation of Christians be even more powerful than we're. Amen. So next week, in our in-person service, you are not gonna wanna miss out, fam. Next week, we'll have a celebration service. We'll celebrate birthdays, promotions, good news, good job. We have a union, it'll be amazing. And as the team, and have uh, four short speakers that are gonna be speaking about our values. This members of our board, uh, Pastor Kenny. Brother Malik, Chaplain Pete, Sister Natalie are going to be sharing on Christ's interests, our conditions, celebration, and collaboration. I will see you next Sunday. When you come out, we're going to greet you in the Lord. Praise the Lord. And slowly, that's why. Praise the Lord. Let me ship. Let me get it. You might have to listen to it again, fam. Pastor's going to post it later. We have Chaplain Pedro Pinella joining us shortly. Um,